You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. This Valentine's Day, ExtremeRestraints.com would like to remind you that nothing says love like exploring your partner's kinks. Flowers may wilt, but some kinky new toys can change your sex life forever. Save an extra 10% at ExtremeRestraints.com with coupon code GGG. Double that GGG discount if you use it by Valentine's Day. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, So whenever I listen to This American Life, uh, Public Radio International on KOW in Seattle, uh, whenever the, the subject of sex come up, and I've been on This American Life a few times, whenever the subject of sex comes up on This American Life, they, uh, they have this, they, they, they do this warning, this, uh, you know, emergency broadcast system alert to parents out there that sex is going to be acknowledged. Yeah, that's, that's what we say. We say literally, oh, should I not come in? You no, come on in. Me? Here's Ira Glass, everybody. Well, no, I mean, I mean, literally, it comes out of um, stations being very nervous about the content of our show because, because uh, you know, it's adults t- explaining the experience of being an adult. And so occasionally and, there's stories about sex. And Because adults sometimes have that sex stuff. And sometimes that sex stuff impacts our American lives and changes them or throws us for a loop and how do you do a show about american lives without acknowledging american sex lives exactly and so and so and so we 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 were told we were told that we would have better luck getting onto state public radio stations if we could just it, they, they said like you know beep out any nasty words obviously because we you know we stations would lose their licenses and stuff but but then just just warn listeners and and then we we're being like well what is what what, what warning are we giving them that we're acknowledging that sex it happens between adults like like nothing else has there's nothing dirty in here there's nothing like you know nobody's going to get hot by listening to this person read from their <laughs> memoir about when they were in eighth grade like nobody's going to get off on that so what are we warning them about exactly it's not it's not it's it's not it's not um sexy in that way it just acknowledges like oh people have sex and there and we, we were told like oh we we'll just say that and so then i just thought that was so ridiculous that like you can hear it in your voice when you when you you, you preface a story with that that you feel ridiculous and complicit at that moment having to warn these adult listeners that this program about adults adult lives is going to acknowledge the existence of human sexuality i know and i feel like it speaks to two things one is that i think um first of all all radio stations in america are a very weird legal situation where they can lose their licenses over over truthfully very vague guidelines over what it's legal to say on the radio or not that's one thing and so and the, and the other and, and saying that actually protects them a little bit and then the and and us uh and then the other thing is that is that um People listen to public radio, assuming that it's it's safe for children, and so and so they they you know what I mean. Like if you think about it, you're going to turn on the radio, what are you going to turn on? And so you got your kids in the car, and you're just you're used to turning on the public radio. And then many many emails have been written to our show of just like I turned on the nice public radio, and I'm used to like it's very friendly and appropriate for kids. And then I turned on in the middle of like you know it happened to flick and flack the Tappet Brothers or whatever the hell they're called. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why aren't you talking about transmissions? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then so so if 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 adult content comes up, it really catches people by surprise we're in a we're in a we're in a safe for work environment it's, when you're on public radio funny you should say that it's never really dirty because i've i've often told people that the dirtiest thing i've ever said 
ever I said on your show, the dirtiest joke ever, because uh, years ago, um, I did a piece about Terry and I adopting. Our son is almost 14 now, so this was before he was born. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, like, people's attitudes towards uh, particularly gay male couples adopting, and that's really evolved and changed. There's a lot more gay male parents out there than there used to be, particularly when we were adopting. Yeah, you guys were pioneers. And the religious right, their charge, and what we were being told at the time was, you know, gay men want to adopt children to rape them, to have sex with them. Because it's easier to do an adoption than to fly to Bangkok, apparently. And, <laughs> you know, I think with humor and camp and the gay sensibility, what you do is sometimes those really hateful stereotypes is you pretend that they're true and inhabit them for a split second. And it just explodes them. It shows how ridiculous they are. I can't believe you're explaining how a joke works. You literally just well, I feel like, like I have let to. Me, let me explain how a joke works for a second in case, in case you're not an adult. Okay, I, yeah. I said this on your show without any hesitation. I don't want to say it on mine without really framing it. <laughs> but, uh you know, I said people were asking Terry and I if we were excited about the baby coming, and I said, "Yeah, Terry's gotten so loose." The implication being, I was going. To I understand. Oh, you have to, oh, baby. I can't believe you're going. You're explaining the joke. That's killing it. <laughs> I think you let me do it on your show because you thought most people wouldn't understand it. That it would fly over their heads. What was your What was your thought process around the dirtiest baby anal rape joke ever on public radio? Be- beating out that 1996 uh, uh, fresh air joke about anal baby. <laughs> I know in the in the Emmy Awards yeah. or the awards show we give for best anal rape, you know, of joke, infants uh, joke of infants joke on public radio this year. Like, <laughs> like we've won it pretty consistently every year since '95. But um, what was I thinking? I mean, I, I, you know, I'd be lying to say that I even remember. But knowing myself, <sighs> I'm hurt. I'm wounded. But knowing myself, I, I, I'm sure that what I was thinking was like, this is funny and I enjoy this. And so that's my job. If it's funny and I enjoy it, it's my job to put it on the radio because <laughs> I'm making the show for, you know, just to my own taste. It's the proudest moment of my career next to the Santorum redefinition is the dirtiest baby rape joke ever on public radio. Yeah. That is a pretty good joke. Yeah. And, and, and the Santorum thing uh, next to the Santorum thing. Yeah. So I wanted to uh the Santorum, I, he's got that new uh that new uh thing that he announced this conservative week. Conservative United Money Bomb or come. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the web, I mean I couldn't tell is this a joke website or is it real? The one which is just like C U M, like, you know, Conservative United Money he's, he's fucking with us. He's just fucking with us now. He knows he's gonna lose. He knows I'm all he's got. We're like linked together forever, <laughs> like handcuffed together. It's like some horrible buddy movie, the socially conservative gay hater handcuffed to me. And we have to live the rest of our lives with this this mutually shared burden of I have to answer for him, he has to answer for me forever. I, I love that in your version of this story he actually even thinks about you for a second. <laughs> oh, I know he does. He did a fundraising letter about me and he's talked about me. Really? I mean, for a long time he wouldn't acknowledge my existence but you know playing the sarah palin look at how the lefty media has gone after me oh i see victim victim card he's been totally hitting it this year you know how this movie ends don't you uh we fall in love and get of married. course yeah i know i know yeah then i whip up some santorum in santorum which would just be like some sort of rip in the time space continuum I'm sorry. All I'm thinking about is that on our show and not on the podcast, that would be that was such a great music cue you just gave. Like we would have like the swelling movie music underneath that whole part as you're talking, and then would come up in the clear. I'm, we'll produ- I'm producing the music mix of your, of your the non-existent music mix of your show as we're as we're speaking. We'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can drop in. Um, so I wanted you to come on the show and uh, give a little sex advice because I wanted to get you back, your family, back in the sex advice business. Shirley Glass was your mom, late, your late mom, mm-hmm. and she was. If you Google Shirley Glass, first thing that comes up is the godmother of infidelity. You have to actually click through to see the godmother of infidelity research, 
that she actually isn't the god. I'm the godfather of infidelity. No research, just sort of pro infidelity. That's my my uh, cross to bear. <laughs> um, but your mom was a, a sex therapist and researcher and wrote books about yeah, how to yeah. how a marriage can survive infidelity, and she yeah. was a, an expert. Yeah, no, she's very pro marriage actually. But but she, as am uh, I. Yeah, and and she uh, and she. Uh, she began researching infidelity and uh, and and did uh, did uh, surveys of people of married people about uh, who was faithful and who wasn't and then and then it, her research found a couple of things that hadn't been uh, really widely thought before that and that is that that she proved this thing that when you think about it, it seems so in, like intuitive which is that uh, many people cheat on their spouses but it doesn't indicate there's anything wrong with their marriage they just want to have more sex and. Um, and uh, and and it had clinical applications actually because and implications because one of the things that was kind of standard at the point where she was doing this research was that if if you know if you if you and your spouse go into a marriage counselor and and the reason why you're going in is because one of you was cheated and the other one found out and of course it's a huge trauma if it's that's not something you ever agreed on and uh, you know and, and it's like are we going to stay together what's going to happen traditionally what the marriage therapist would do is they begin with the premise of well the reason why you were cheating is because you're unhappy with the marriage let's talk about that but she found in some it's been a while since I've read this research but it, it's, it's like in a third to a half of the men doesn't indicate you're unhappy with marriage at all it just right. indicates like you're you, horny yeah and you wanted some variety yeah you're a human being and it's possible to want sex with more than one person for the rest of your life and uh we put it into people's heads that you know if you're in love you don't want to sleep with anybody else and so if your partner did sleep with somebody else or if you desire to sleep with somebody else that means you're not in love anymore that's yeah. how we've come to understand it and that just having that out there destroys marriages yeah, yeah it's he cheated funny. on me he can't love me or i'm i, I want to fuck somebody else i must not love my spouse anymore and it's not that's not the way it works yeah, yeah. It's interesting because cause what would happen in therapy, uh, she found, and, and they did surveys of therapists about this, is that because by focusing, by forcing the partner who cheated to kind of come up with a reason for what was wrong with the relationship, when, they, when the partner would say, like, well, I don't have any complaints about the relationship, well, you know, you can always find something, right? But, like, really, like, that wasn't why they were cheating. What it would do is it would take the focus off of what the couple needed to talk about, and that was the fact that one person lied to the other. Like, that, mm-hmm. in fact, is much more profound than, than banging somebody else. Um and uh, and and it would stop them from dealing with the trauma of that. Like that actually is way more destructive. And the person might have to pretend that there's some serious flaw in the marriage where there isn't a flaw in the marriage. And just buying into that could damage the marriage. Yeah, the fact that the whole therapy would be organized around like, okay, now let's talk about what's wrong between, between the two of you. When in fact, it's possible that, that marriage was just, you know, like every couple, there are things where you're bugging each other. And you, if you pick at it, you could you could find a thing to, to break up over if you wanted to. But... Um, that's but, why Terry and I fight all the time. Is that true? Well, a little bit. You know, we had friends who never fought and then they had their first fight and broke up. And we always thought our relationship was not as good as theirs because we bicker and fight all the time. And then we realized, oh, oh, if we ever have a breakup level argument, we won't realize it because it's just one more tree in the forest of bickering and arguing and fighting. And It's funny because so well. Anahid, my wife and I, I, I don't, maybe this is too personal to say publicly, but, but here we are. Um, like we started going to a counselor because we didn't fight with each other. Like we both were like very well behaved and, and we, we just – we neither one of us was super comfortable with it. You should and, have come to me and Terry. We could totally <laughs> help you out. We could, we could point out all the things you should be fighting about. 
We're very good at uncovering them. What would be? Go. What would be? And what would be your method? Would, would we, one of you like take each of us? You'd be our coach. Like, yeah. like, like, like Terry would get on heat. You would get me, and we'd review our material. Uh, we'd <laughs> find things. We'd coach you. We'd write some lines, and then we'd get in there and fight. We'd come back into the corner. We'd be like reality show producers. We'd write outside a camera range, feeding you lines and shots until it was just a screaming shit show. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so so we 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 felt we felt like like it, you know we've we've I mean I feel like we needed to work up to the normal thing of like we can actually confront each other about the stuff that's. Are you fighting us. now? Yeah, we we, we congratulations, did. welcome, welcome to the marriage club. That's how it works. Yeah. It's uh, fights and conflicts and uh, major issues that you ignore, all leavened with the occasional orgasm. That's a marriage. <laughs> so I want you to get back into the, the glass you should, family. You should write vows. <laughs> All right, here's what you're getting into. Here's the list. <laughs> I want to get the glass family and get you back into the sex voices. So you're going to take yeah. So my mom was a, my mom was a marriage therapist and a th- sex therapist and uh, and uh, and uh, and a really very respected one and very yeah. prominent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she died a few years ago. She died. She passed away a few years ago, just yeah. around the same time my mom did. Yeah, our mothers made an appearance together actually at a Valentine's Day show. I know that was so fifteen years ago on sweet. stage. Yeah, yeah. Your mom at the dirty, your nice Catholic mom at the dirtiest show. <laughs> And your nice Jewish stage. mom at the dirtiest yeah. show. Then my mom was generating some of the dirty material because she had all this like sex stuff she had to talk about. She sort of gleefully really enjoyed being like somebody's mom on st- somebody's sixty year old mom on stage, you know, looking like a nice Jewishy mom from the suburbs and having like the worst potty mouth in the world. It was like one of her bits. <laughs> she and I sparked. She said a woman's biggest sex organ is between her ears, and I looked at her and said, "How do you get your dick in there?" <laughs> you have the film. You showed the film once, and she looks at me like I'm going to deck this fact. Like, Where did you get this guy? Who is he? What research has he done? I'm like that. Somebody gave me a call. So I get to stand to review. So I'm going to play some calls. We're going to like give Great. some sex advice. Great. You and me together. Great. And we're going to start out with something really classy. Hey Dan, uh, I'm a 20 year old in a semi serious relationship that I've been in for a few months, and um, I just I just kind of want to know your personal etiquette on um, farting in a relationship. Uh, I personally fart a lot more than the average person, and they're not particularly pleasant. And uh, I've kept it from my boyfriend for a while, but I fart in my sleep, and it worries me so much that I actually can't fall asleep, and he stays over, and he stays over kind of a lot. And um, it's just kind of become a problem that I would like to solve, and I just kind of want to get a feel for how you feel about that, because I feel like it's a problem that a lot of people face. But it's kind of taboo, so no one really talks about it. And uh, I know it's not a very sexy question, but I think it's real. Okay, this is where it gets real, Ira. Farts. I literally never had a conversation with anybody about this or heard one. I think you should do an episode about it. This is actually something you can't put on the radio. You can't Uh, put a fart on the radio? You can't say fart on You can't put uh, scatological content. No, like literally this is unbroadcastable. You're kidding. No. Anal baby rape joke? Well, Broadcastable? But, well, a, a one that you'd have to be sort of awake to. It's sort of like if you – I think if you cared about – if you cared to be offended about that joke about your boyfriend being too loose, um, you probably wouldn't get it or wouldn't – you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it would just go right past you. So I feel like that, that one slipped by in the cover of night. OK. Well, we can do this on the podcast. We can't do this on the radio. So Thank God for the internet. Thank, yeah, that's what the internet's for, porn and fart jokes. Uh, so what should this person do? What would your advice be? I mean, I mean, truth when do you start I'm, farting in front of somebody? I, I think that's when you know it's love. Like as soon as you're comfortable enough to to fart. I, I, I mean, I, I think that um, 
I, I like my rule of thumb, and I've never talked about this out loud. Would be uh, farting in a bed with somebody else seems gross, but farting in your sleep, like she's worried about farting in her sleep. I feel like you totally get a pass on that. <laughs> uh, like I can't believe that because like, you can't control it. You totally have have a total cover. Um, so she does, and yeah. she can make a Dutch oven with that cover. Um, you can take a pass on any of these questions. I just wanted to like throw That's you fine. off like, the Savage Lovecast deep end of like gross, weird. Off uh, scatological yeah. questions. If there's anyone you don't want to answer, you can just say. Oh no, I'm I'm here to me. no, I'm here to talk. I'm here to talk. <laughs> I feel like I don't have I don't have good advice because this is one that I feel like I am too uptight to give good advice for. I feel like I, I'm, I'm. But so so, what's your advice? My advice would be to first to look at your diet. Like if you have terrible gas all the time, maybe you have a gluten intolerance or something. Maybe you need to. Shake it up. Not that you shouldn't. Oh, fart. you're saying get rid of the gas. You're trying to. You're trying to. Well, you're trying to. Me- you're trying gas. to medicinize this problematic no, existence. Pathologize this poor woman. Girls can fart. Guys can fart. Everybody farts. There's a book. Everybody farts. Right. Uh, but you know, if it's that noxious that she's so self conscious about it, and it goes on all the time, and it's terrible, maybe there's a diet thing. There's a, there's a medication called Gasex, and there's knockoffs that aren't the name brand that we have to get for our dog, um, and so. <laughs> Not because he farts, but because he has a because the gas builds up in his stomach and he can't sleep, and so then he keeps us awake. And so for us to sleep, we have to buy the dog this over the counter prescription. So in my local pharmacy, I'm constantly buying these boxes. We give him three pills a day, and I feel like I feel so like this lady thinks I have such a farting problem. Gawker hasn't picked up on this yet. <laughs> they haven't turned you in the pharmacist. No. So um. So, so she yeah. might want to try gas sex. She might. Yeah, there you go. This medication. But you have a pass in your sleeve. But I feel like I feel Let like I feel like by by medicinizing this question, you yourself are bypassing the like. When do you cross the farting barrier in a relationship? Like when do like twelve wait, weeks? Twelve weeks. Twelve weeks. <laughs> Three months like, in. The calendar page turns, and then yeah. and then and then. But but isn't it the sort of thing where whoever farts first farts? Last. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is that? <laughs> Let's do the next I just want to say, whoever supplied this question, it's a real. This this question. Is she, has yeah. a real she has a real problem. I agree, but wait, I feel like we haven't given her any practical advice on what is she supposed to do now. I don't remember what her question was. Her question is: I wasn't even interested in her question. I just wanted to like hit you with a fart question right off the top and see how you react. Where is the caring? Somebody comes to you for advice, and all I don't you want to do is use her as a as a bludgeon to hit me. That's the thing. I really don't care about these people and their problems. If I cared about their problems, I wouldn't broadcast their questions you know if somebody sends you a letter and you put it in the column that's not caring wow you have such a you have such a i'm i'm surprised because you you seem you're not there to help you're there to entertain and sometimes the help is collateral but the help happens but you know i get letters every day from people who have a problem it's a very serious problem but i answered a similar question two weeks ago so i can't use it and I like go digging through the email for a question I haven't answered in a while right, or ever. Yeah, right. So you can't care about that. No, you, can't you can't care, care about helping them. You have to have sort of a like. You only can care about the person listening. Copy that's who you're doc, here for. That's right. Who's the column for? The one idiot with the problem or the, you know. Or the three, three idiots listening. Yeah, the three idiots listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Here we go. Hi, Dan. I'm a straight uh, 24-year-old male. And I've got one for you. Um... I was in a meeting with new colleagues um, at a theater uh, up here in Oregon, and we were discussing, uh, it was kind of a team-building, ensemble-building meeting, and we were talking about ways to 
bridge conversations and start conversations about uh, class and gender and race and uh, sexuality. Well, I brought up that um, as a homosexual man, I don't think about sexuality as much as I think about gender and race because they, those are things we can we can see. Um, of course, I'm not a homosexual man. I'm a heterosexual man. I misspoke and uh, didn't realize it until the meeting was over and I was uh, in rehearsal later that day. And uh, so I thought about it and was wondering, you know, should I should I call people? Should I tell people? Do you know, should I let people know on a need-to-know basis? Pause it a second. So wait, so he's saying that he needed to come out as straight to his coworkers? Yeah, he and accidentally th- came out as gay, and now he needs to walk that back. Because he mis- <laughs> and how often does that happen that a straight guy misspeaks and says he's a homosexual? In a, in a group setting with people who then he ever sees again. That he sees all the time, who are all in the theater. Mm-hmm. And he has to walk this back. Wow, and also he's he's actually working in a in a, in a in a setting where 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 heterosexual is lower status, <laughs> where they are the oppressed minority group. That's in exactly the right. Theater. That's exactly right. That's exactly he's right. Very likely to be straight bashed if he should try to walk this back and come out as a heterosexual now. So let's let's hear his question. Um, the, hey, I misspoke this morning. Um, and uh, so I wanted to know, get some advice from from you. Um, the it's already kind of become an issue. A couple of people have contacted me to see if I'm interested in participating in you know LGBT theater. And while I am, I feel the need to tell them now uh, I misspoke. Um, so I don't know if I should nip this in the bud or tell people as they come to me and contact me. This is pathetic. This call is really pathetic. <laughs> Only a straight guy who worked in the theater would be wringing his hands about this and wondering what to do and and be, even be hesitating at all. He's so terrified of... Uh, are, you, are you saying that if he was any other straight man except for one in the theater, he would simply come out and tell people... Like, oh, wait, wait, shit, fuck, what? The minute somebody said, oh, you want to go to the gay bar with us later? We're going to go, like, suck some penises. He would have been like, wait, what, what, what? <laughs> what did I say? I'm totally straight. I misspoke. Um, that he's like worried about how coming out as straight is going to be received by his colleagues who've identified him as you know one of the queers in the company. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's charming. It's very sweet. Th- yeah. These are new, age, new, new model straight guys who would even who even think have this about problem this for a moment. I feel like what he has to do is pretty clear. I feel like he has two obvious choices, and one is he has to start banging some actress in the company <laughs> because it's a theater company. Everyone will know within. An hour after it happens, that'll kind of like put everybody's mind. And that'll elevate him to bisexual. But how does he get all the way back to heterosexual? (laughs) Yeah, that is the problem. Well, to do that, he has to try the second strategy. And from watching Glee, I understand that that in a theater setting, if you want to get this across, he has to do it in song. (laughs) Yeah, because there's nothing straighter than bursting into song. I'm just saying, and so he needs to, he needs to he he needs to either put together some sort of sketch or something or, or a song um, or or somehow create a setting where where in a theatrical way he can let everybody know you know those embarrassing things that you say without realizing that you say. What would that number be? Anything off the top of your head? You're gay, right? You should be able to have some. <laughs> 
<laughs> You've dealt with this problem once or twice in your life. You've ever been in an environment where people have assumed you're gay? I have been. I know. On, online, online, uh, there was a period. Your manhunt I, profile. People are always assuming you're gay when they find your manhunt profile, right? Exactly. No, no. There was a period online where once I, when I got married and kind of the word of it spread, there was there was a whole there was a period where we would get emails and then I would see you online. Like, why does Eric Glass like pretend this beard thing? Like, why does he pretend that? Like, why does he go through the the, the why does he go through the the uh, the facade of pretending that he's that he's straight? And, it, who, and I remember one especially is like, who is this wife character? That Eric Glass refers to. Who is this wife character? So, uh, so would you like to would you like to come, come out, out of straight? No, no. Wait, <laughs> on heat exists. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I've met on I assumed it was an actress hired for the occasion. <laughs> so this guy should just say that he's straight. As a straight guy, a straight guy to straight guy, tell this, tell this. Yeah, man up, man do. up, bro, man up, man yeah. up, go around. And, and I feel, I feel like actually you're in an environment where people understand that people say the wrong thing and it's embarrassing and it should turn into like a very humorous. Um, a very this is like this is your good humorous story of like oh my god I said something dumb and then didn't realize it and now I'm trapped and and I can't he he this is this is a good story for you to tell at like a cocktail party and all he has to do is get drunk with one person and and confide in them he could be the only guy in America with an I'm not straight but my girlfriend is T-shirt <laughs> right we've all seen the I'm not gay but my boyfriend is you yeah. can make an I'm not straight but my girlfriend that's that's that that would be a good way to do it too. This Valentine's Day, ExtremeRestraints.com would like to remind you that nothing says love like exploring your partner's kinks. Flowers wilt, but a kinky new toy can change your sex life forever. Extreme Restraints has a huge selection of gear to inspire your sexual desires, including bondage gear, electrosex, fucking machines, chastity devices, strap-ons, and even vibrators. Save an extra 10% at ExtremeRestraints.com with the coupon code GGG. Double that GGG discount if you use it by Valentine's Day. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a 28-year-old married woman. Um, my husband and I have been together about seven years, and he's fantastic. The only thing is that, you know, I've been listening to your podcast now for probably a year or two, and it's really opened my mind, um, or at least made me realize that things that I may have been wanting weren't so crazy, like maybe, you know, sleeping with some other guys which is what I've really been thinking about lately. I mean, our sex life is fantastic. Like, we're, we're such a good pair, but I just somehow feel like I'm missing out on some sexual experiences. Um, and I just, I want to be safe. I want to sleep with other guys. But the thing is that literally freaks the shit out of my husband if I bring up anything like this. I think I may have married a serial monogamous. He gets totally freaked out if I bring up anything about monogamish, or, you know, like, open relationships that just does not, like, even compute. So I guess my question is, what do I do? Um, do I just keep this sort of, like, as a fantasy and just play it out in my mind and see how much fun I can have with it? Or do I try and bring it up to him again, try and talk his own language? Um, I kind of feel like I'm at a little bit of an impasse, but maybe you have some insight for me. Would you like to tell her to go ahead and cheat on her husband, or shall I? You're going to tell her to cheat? No, no. I was just trying to trick you into saying it. No, I don't think she should cheat. You don't? No, I actually think that... that uh, this goes to the heart of what you were saying about your mom in her research earlier, that yeah. there's nothing wrong with her marriage. She loves her husband. She says his sex life is fantastic. She wants to fuck somebody else. 
that's what marriage as sort of constructed, understood, doesn't can't deal with, doesn't know how to that, – that desire for variety, the desire for difference. She says these experiences I've missed out on or I want to have, that it, those are at war. That desire is at war with the commitment she made to her husband. Yeah. And she can't have both. I mean, you know, the fact is that marriage is the rules that you agree on, right? So, so she would need to convince him that this could be okay. Um, I think the one thing she shouldn't do is is cheat on him. I actually think that, that my mom my mom uh, said that that uh, people it's it, it, it's the infidelity actually isn't the sex. The infidelity is is confide is somebody you're confiding in somebody else besides your partner. Somebody else knows you better. Like you trust somebody else more with the truth about you than you trust the person who you're you're supposed to be closest to. Like that's that's the real thing that actually rips people apart. And so if you want to you know, stay together, if you like being married, if you like that experience and the other parts of it, then, then I think it's, it's, it's really destructive. And, uh, and I agree. I, I do. So I, so I think like – so She would have to that, renegotiate the terms of the commitment that she made. She, when she married seven years ago, she made a monogamous commitment. Yeah. Maybe she shouldn't have made that commitment. She knows herself better now, perhaps. There are people who make monogamous commitments who are incapable of monogamous behavior for the long term. They should – hopefully realize that about themselves before they make the mistake of making a commitment like this to someone who can make that kind of commitment and, and stick to it. But now I she's think, in a position of either sucking it up and experiencing these things through fantasy, which millions and millions of married people do, or renegotiating terms with her husband, and he doesn't sound down with it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if there's some version of it that, that would be make it more attractive to him. That is, if it's clear like he gets to sleep with other people too, though he doesn't seem like the sort of person who wants that. Um, and some people which I take, which I take to be code for she's cuter than he is. <laughs> well, it's always easier for women to get sex, cute or not. Right. You know, I get letters every day from uh, male female couples who have opened their relationships or are in open relationships, and she can find a dude who'll fuck her while walking out of the house. And it's very hard for a married man in an, in an open relationship with everything's above board, even if the wife's willing to like say, yeah, yeah, it's fine with me, to find a woman who's okay with that, single or married. I also think as though it, like I think it's a tough thing, truly, because I think that that even if her husband said yes, I actually think that that agreeing to have an open marriage is a really it can be a really dangerous thing because you do get attached to people. And it's funny I just interviewed somebody a couple of days ago, but anyway, he was in a situation where he he was involved with somebody for thirteen years. They were perf- perfectly happy, and uh, they they got involved their third day of college. And then after 13 years, they saw their friends be marrying off. They're 31 now. And they're just like, well, why – how come we never – why haven't we never talked about being married? And then she, and they, they – they, 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 the kind of relationship where they're very good friends. They could talk about anything, could talk about anything um, in a way that, that – uh, I don't know, which seems really nice. And um, and she, and the and the girl in that relationship was like was like this woman, and she and she says, um, well, I, well, I just think like before I get married, I want to have more sex. I want to have sex with more different people. Like it just seems weird to just like lock that up for the rest of my life in this pledge. And he's like, you know, actually that that makes sense to me. And so they agree to take a room springer uh, for a month. And it destroys the relationship. It does destroy the relationship. Yeah, like like, and he says that that what happens is that 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 trying to even on a mission that he was on, which was I have a month to have as much sex as I can, which they then extended to two months and three months, and apparently it wasn't very hard. Like as a young single person in New York City, for him to get a lot of sex with a lot of different people. Who knew? Um, you know he. He said, "He yeah. He he said he says basically any anyone in New York can have sex any night they want. All they have to do is stay in the bar and lower their standards." <laughs> um, but he said, um, 
He New said, York City, where even the straight people are gay people. Kind of. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. I've only lived here as a married person, so I didn't really know that. But anyway, so he, so he, he, he said basically he found it. Um, impossible to separate it. He said. He said. He said that you know, going out and looking for sex and looking for sex, sexual experiences. He was somebody who, just by whatever personality he had, wasn't able to do it without his feeling getting all caught up in it in a way that confused his feelings for the for the mar- you know for the marriage that was coming for for, for marrying this woman and uh, and I and I and she was able to. She had some feelings. No, no, I think they get back together. Are they both. Attached to new. What's well, funny? I haven't interviewed her yet. He says that she had the same feelings, but and I don't know for sure. And I don't know if she's going to agree to be interviewed. But but um. But they're no so, longer together. They're no longer together. They maybe they to break up. And there's together. a famous couple named. Uh, maybe they shouldn't be together. Maybe. No, no. He says that it's right that he's glad they didn't get together. He said actually this was their way out, and, and they shouldn't have been together. Okay, so it wasn't that the infidelity or the opening it up destroyed a relationship that would have gone the six decade distance. It was the opening up was. Let him see the reality. You know, it was the out they needed. So maybe that's actually an an instructive thing for her, that that's another possibility of what's happening is that that she shouldn't be with this guy. But I I feel like all these things raise questions that we don't have the, you know, we don't have the answers to from this this call. See, I I listen to questions like this and half the time what I hear is, you know, it's either going to be the end of the relationship or the savior of the relationship, opening it up. Because people will sabotage their relationships. Sex is too powerful. Sex is, you know, a half a billion years older than we are. This idea that we have sex, bullshit. Sex has us. And if your relationship is at war with your desire, if it's like set up in this way that's just, you know, built for conflict as opposed to, you know, the relationship being something that makes things happen for you, that, that helps you realize you, you know, your potential sexually, that relationship is going to end. Because you're going to destroy it, consciously or subconsciously. You're going to explode it to get out. If there's something that you want, and everybody makes sacrifices, and everybody, even in open relationships, doesn't get everything they want. That's not what it's about. But somebody who feels the way that she feels about sexual variety is going to start looking at her husband as, that's the reason. He's the problem. Why I'm sexually unfulfilled. If he was gone, this would I wouldn't have this problem. And if he values the relationship more than the sexual exclusivity, that can maybe hammer out a deal. But if he values sexual exclusivity more than the relationship, it's over. And then it should be over because I don't think she sounds like she's cut out for monogamy. And she's either going to cheat or she's going to leave. You know, when you lay it out like that, I feel like it sounds very logical. And I feel like, well, of course, what you're saying is is right. But there's some part of me which feels like, like surely there's some people for whom like repression is working. You know what I mean? Like, 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 she, like. You know, the other, the other thing is that she could just suck it up, and like, you know, if, if, if you know, she began her whole thing by saying how fantastic this guy is. That's her lead, and maybe that's just her cover story, so she can actually. That's what she has to say, so she can say the truth that then follows. She has to begin with this sort of half truth, like it's fantastic. We have this great sex, you know, we have this great relationship. But, but if, but if in fact, but if in fact, if it's fantastic and they actually have a good sex life and she actually really loves him and she actually gets all these other things that are harder to find than sex with another person, then, um, then I don't know. Like, like maybe I'm just <laughs> older than you or something. But I just <laughs> You're feel not like, that much older than me. I know, but it's, there's a part of me where I feel like, well, I don't know. Like, how important is sex to you? Like, maybe you just suck it up. Like, I, I don't think that sucking it up is a crazy, crazy option for ever, forever. You know, like I think for some people that actually is the right choice. And they're sucking up. You know, they're sucking it up that goes on in open relationships. Eventually, we have to acknowledge that sucking it up is probably the wrong choice of you know, <laughs> phrase for what is going to be. In fact, you would not be sucking it up. You would be. You would the sucking. You would, would be, be unsucking. 
holding it down or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's sucking up that goes on in, in an open relationship. Like, again, you don't get everything you want. It's usually a very tensely negotiated, mutually acceptable, you know, limitation still. I think, I think, I think what you're saying is sensible. She can negotiate it with the husband. And I think the husband, in a way, what you're saying is the husband has to suck it up. Like, if he wants to keep this girl and he wants to keep this marriage, he has to take it seriously and let himself be, be open to this possibility. And the only thing I would add is there's nothing about this problem that needs solving right now. But she's had the, she's had this conversation with the husband, it sounds like, or if she hasn't, she should, and then say, but I'm not going to do Like, enjoy the awesome sex, enjoy the marriage, enjoy the relationship, and put this before him. And, and, and you should frame it as, I want to fuck other people. Everybody wants to fuck other people. You want to fuck other people. Be honest with me. Being in love, being married, having a monogamous commitment doesn't mean you don't want to fuck other people. It means you don't fuck other people, but you still want to. And going forward with this marriage, how are we going to deal with that want to stuff? And what you want is it doesn't happen. What I, I can conceive of situations under which it can happen. And this is a long-term conversation. Because uh, anyway, we should keep talking. We have a couple more calls to do. You can make this Valentine's Day one you'll both never forget with this amazing offer from adamandeve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you'll receive 50% off just about any item. Just go to adamandeve.com and you'll find over 18,000 adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and a seemingly endless selection of adult DVDs. And there's more. With every order, you'll receive their romance kit free. Their romance kit includes a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus a free adult DVD to put you in the mood. And that's not all. They will also throw in free shipping on your entire order. So go check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's Day offer. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping when you enter offer code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E. That's SAVAGE at adamandeve.com. Hi, Dan. I have a question, but I should probably give you some background information about me first. First of all, I am a virgin. When I was really young, I was sent to an all-girls Christian boarding school, and as you can imagine, it was very strict, and I never had any opportunity to experience uh, experiment sexually. I didn't leave the school until I graduated high school there, and since then, um, I have had many opportunities to try sex, but I chose to decline them. I never had an interest in sex, and I thought maybe something was wrong with me, but then I heard about human asexuality. So now I identify myself as an asexual. I also have a passion for helping people, especially children who have felt abandoned or unwanted. Um, my dream is to establish and organize an orphanage that gives these children special secular education and a good chance at life. Of course, this costs a lot of money. Also, I am in my third year of college, and that is also expensive. I found out on the internet that a girl can sell her virginity for over $1 million. Of course, I plan to do this legally. I may be asexual, but I am willing to go through the motions and sell my virginity so that I can fund my dreams. I wouldn't like sitting with a charity because I value self-sufficiency and I don't like asking for money. So my question to you is, what is your opinion of prostitution? Specifically, just one-shot prostitution like selling virginity. My biggest concern is safety because I know I will be going to maybe the Bunny Ranch in Nevada to make the transaction and I just wanted to make sure that it will be safe and even if it isn't safe, I'm willing to risk it just for a chance to fulfill my dreams. Wow. Crazy. 
First of all, I did a little Googling, also known as research, and you know, most of the people who've gone online to auction off the opportunities, they're not pulling in a million dollars. I was going to say, that number seemed very, very high. Optimistic. Uh, what's the what's the going rate? It was the numbers I saw for people who had successfully made a big media splash out of it. Uh, thirty five, forty, sixty thousand dollars. You're not going to fund your education and start an uh, orphanage. Uh, start an orphanage by auctioning off your virginity. I'm sorry to say. It, well, if you do it just once, but if you do it thirty times, <laughs> then then you have a shot because <laughs> you have to reclaim you your, your virginity. You, you just in different names, whatever. Like like then thirty times, you have to basically you're gonna have to sell off your virginity thirty, forty times to get a million dollars. Is what is what we're saying. And I don't think you're willing to do that, and I don't think you should do that. Um, but interestingly, you know, there's all this debate about prostitution in Nevada constantly. Um, you know, if you're actually thinking of doing this through a brothel in Nevada, you're actually safer in an environment where prostitution is legal, safer at a brothel uh, where there are bouncers. And there's not been one HIV infection traced back to a prostitute who worked uh, legally in a brothel uh, in Nevada. There's research into it. So that's a say, you know, if you're if you've contacted a brothel and you want to organize some sort of auction, online auction of your virginity, and there's a brothel in Nevada that's willing to work with you, uh, your physical safety, you know, nothing's 100% guaranteed, but it's safer than trying to DIY it yourself on the side, but you're not going to make a million dollars. Yeah, what you're talking about isn't prostitution. What you're talking about is that is that uh, Robert Redford movie, Indecent, Indecent <laughs> Proposal, which is the stupidest movie. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, like the, 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 the couple's dilemma is the husband wants to pay the wife a million dollars to bang her for one night. And you just feel like, we'll take the million dollars. Who cares? <laughs> that you would sign off on if somebody offered on a million dollars, you guys could see, well, a million dollars, we could start an orphanage. <laughs> and that's exactly what we would do with it, too. For gassy dogs. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, she would sign up for it too. Like, like, yeah. No, I think that's in our deal. You know, have you have celebrities who who you're allowed to sleep with if you would ever encounter them because you'll never encounter them. And then, well, you know, yeah. Just sure. If either, if anybody offers either of us a million dollars to bang them, I feel like that that goes down very easy between us. But we, we you know, we don't want to make this caller feel bad. You know, it's a nice impulse. Uh, if you're asexual and you're you, you don't intend to be sexually active and sexuality doesn't mean anything to you and your virginity doesn't feel particularly significant because you don't pick yourself ever in a sexual relationship with anyone to want to leverage the culture's obsession. I don't see anything wrong with it. With virginity to pay for your education. I don't see anything wrong with it. Do as long it. as it's safe, do you it. should do it. You're, you're not going to make adult. a million dollars. You're not going to make a million dollars. But you could make 30 grand. You could make 40 grand. You could pay off your college loans. Uh, the other thing, though, is you'll have to be public. People who auction off their virginities show their faces. So you have it sounds like you have a conservative background. You went to Christian university. You want to start an orphanage for children. This isn't going to be something you you can do, you know, with uh, no photo. Yeah, but she, wasn't but she's young. Like the, the orphanage isn't going to get started like next week, you know. And so and so, you know, she'd have to sell her virginity thirty, forty times before she can. Start that, that there orphanage. is your problem, yeah. So if you have thirty vaginas, you are set. Hi, Dan. Uh, my name is Amanda. I'm calling from Anchorage, Alaska. Um, Twenty five. And recently married, my husband and I got married on Halloween. Pause for a second. They got married on Halloween? Seems weird. It seems weird. Okay, let's keep going. It's Anchorage. It's a weird place. I feel like Anchorage, you have permission to be whoever you want. It's more American than America. (laughs) Um, This last year. And um, we finally moved into our new apartment. Yay! Um, So the reason why I'm calling is because my husband, he's a big, huge flirt, and I understand that. And I 
um, originally told him that I thought that I could handle that, um, that he could flirt, you know, and text other females. It was uh, supposed to be strictly texting, um, you know, to, you know, let him do whatever. Um, I told him that, you know, I just preferred that these other women would be not in this state. Um, and that, you know, none of them were one specific, uh, female, which thankfully he's not talking to her, but, um, he, I don't know. <laughs> um, he, uh, he started talking to his ex, um, the chick that he was with before me and, Pause the tape again. Like, I don't even know what her question is yet. Like, we're still in the middle of this call. But, like, listen to how upset she is. And I hate this guy. Like, I feel like whatever her question is going to be, my answer is drop this loser. All right, let's keep going. When he got together, he said that he hated his ex and that he didn't want everything to do with her except for um, her son, who is not biologically his, but he did help raise. And I said, okay, that's understandable. Um, he has... <laughs> started flirting with his ex and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I want to talk to him about it, but I know that if I try to talk to him about it, if I try to bring it up, bring it up in any way, then he's going to get pissed off and get really mad. Um, my husband um, has, when he gets pissed off at me, he, or like if I do something to piss him off, then he'll do something to piss me off or hurt me in some way. And it sucks. And he's, you know, trying to get over that. But I, you know, I, I want to talk to him about it. I just don't know what to do. I don't want him, you know, talking with his ex the way that he is. She's an ex for a reason. And he married me, not her. I don't know what I'm what I should do. I love my husband. I don't want him doing this anymore, but I'm too afraid that if, you know, I say anything, he's going to get pissed off or, you know, something else is going to happen. I mean, I think it's really clear what she needs to do. She, she, um, I mean, do you want to start? She needs to dump the motherfucker already. DTMFA. This isn't, this is a, not a relationship. It's a hostage situation. You need to get the fuck out, get the fuck away from this guy. The deal you hammered out with him where you hate the flirting, but you okayed it so long it was limited in these ways and texting and women outside of a lot, all this, this Rube Goldberg contraption you built to accommodate his bullshit. It doesn't work and it's not going to work and it's never going to work. And he's an asshole and you need to leave him. And you're and you're a fool. You know it's easy to beat him up in this situation, uh, and he should get slapped around in the situation. So should she. This wasn't really great judgment here, hammering out this deal. She knew who she was. She knew the the deal he laid in front of her. She's a 25 year old woman. The deal he she he laid in front of her was never going to work. Did you not? You know, did she not bounce it off of mom, off of her sisters, off of her friends? Get their input. Uh, you need to cut your losses and go. Or if you want to stay with him, like the one chance you could have is to say, like, look, this is what I want. And, 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 uh, you know, I don't want you flirting with other women. I don't, uh, you know, that's not what I want in the marriage. He made permission to flirt, uh, condition of marrying at all. Did he? Yes. At the oh, top I, of the call. Uh, like, he'd oh. only marry me if I was okay with the flirting with other women. I knew he was a huge flirt, blah, blah, blah. But it makes her this miserable. She wanted to be married more than she wanted to be married to him. And so she agreed to this 
deal with him and it makes her miserable and it's only going to make her more and more miserable and she lives in fucking Anchorage, Alaska where there's 25 men for every girl. Not anymore. Well, whatever it is now. I'm still seven brides for seven brothers in my head, which wasn't even Alaska, but that's what I thought Alaska was. Leave. Leave. There's got to be a lesser Johnston brother out there for you. How is this, though, any different from the other calls where you're saying, like, well, he wants to be non-monogamous, but why not be non-monogamous? Because he's not being non-monogamous. He's being an asshole. When I hear these sorts of calls, these sorts of problems, it's not about the freedom he wants. Part of what he wants is to torture this woman. This isn't just about his freedom to be a flirt and, you know, tap into that kind of sexual energy from other people. He found somebody who'll do his laundry, put up with his shit, and he wants complete license, complete freedom. And her misery is part of it for him. It's somehow feeding his ego. That's why he's going right to pushing those buttons, flirting with his ex and flirting with women that weren't on the premise, you know, that weren't the women that he was allowed to flirt with and in the places allowed to flirt with them. He agreed to this shit never intending to honor his side of the deal, in part to make her miserable. This isn't honest non-monogamy. Okay. You know, when it comes to like people like Gingrich, people like Schwarzenegger, every time there's something like Gingrich saying he wanted an open marriage to his second ex-wife. I can't believe that you're bringing that up. This is what you people do all the time <laughs> to deflect us from the true issues in this country. Well, when that comes up, people write me. I got letters saying, oh, are you happy now? Newt Gingrich was monogamous, not monogamous, open marriage. Newt Gingrich didn't succeed at non-monogamy. He failed at monogamy. He was in a monogamous relationship and he fucked it up. He wasn't in an honest non-monogamy. Going to somebody six years into your affair with Callista devout Catholic Gingrich and asking for an open marriage isn't non-monogamy done right. That's assholery and abusing people. This is assholery and abusing people. This isn't non-monogamy. Dear Dan, Pat Rescues, all of you, hi. I was wondering about something. Could you clarify on the um, oral sex comes standard if coming in the mouth does too? Because... I've been trying so many times. I used to be good at it, but with my current boyfriend, for some reason, I throw up every time. A little bit, a lot. I have so much trouble not gagging, and it's humiliating, and I don't know how to fix that. And if you know how to fix that, that'd be awesome, but I'm just feeling really bad, and I don't know whether or not it's okay to take it off the table, because it's awful, like really bad. I know that it's not fair to do that because he performs oral sex on me and I'm sure that he gets all sorts of female liquids around it on him, but I don't know. Could you tell me? Because I can try to work on it. I just, I don't know. It's kind of really humiliating. Poor honey. So wait, so what I'm picturing is like, you know, how in South Park when, when uh, you know, when is it Kyle who likes the girl and every time he sees her, he just pukes? Uh-huh. That's her situation. Every time she gives a blowjob, at the end of the blowjob, she pukes. And he still wants blowjobs. That would be such a huge disincentive for me. I'd be like, oh, no, that's not, honey, that's okay. Yeah, I know. I think it just shows the the, the how great a blowjob is. That you would still <laughs> want a blowjob after that. Unless he's a reflexophiliac and the throw up is part of it for him, which I certainly hope isn't the case. I actually think, you know, once you've brought somebody to the point of orgasm, past the point of no return, your work is done. Where the semen goes, that's extra credit above and beyond the call of duty. <laughs> if that moment, if you eating his cum, if him blowing his load down your throat, if that's what makes you puke, don't swallow his cum. You, you've done your bit. You got him off. If you want to like pull his dick out of your mouth and let him shoot over your shoulder, that's what you should do. And you shouldn't feel at all embarrassed. He's not, not getting a blowjob. He's getting a blowjob. If he came, 
if you brought him to that point with your mouth and he came, even if he comes on the carpet, you you did your job. You did your work. Good good girl. You really think this is like totally cut and dry? Like totally like that's it. Take his cock out of your mouth. Yeah. At that very last moment. Yes. Okay. I also think that, uh, you know, pull it toward the front of your mouth. There are people who are allergic to other people's semen, and some, you know, they're, you know, sometimes. Oh my God, she might be allergic to his semen. Yeah, but it sounds it, it may be him. She says she's never had this problem with anybody else, huh. only with him. It could be the See, shape of his penis where it hits her in the back of the throat. It could be how he reacts at the point of orgasm. Perhaps he bucks or thrusts in a way mm-hmm. that triggers her gag reflex. Uh, whatever it is, she should uh, choke up on the bat if that's what it takes to make it not go so far in. Or she should. I don't think that once somebody wow, I feel like, once I feel somebody's like going it. over the falls, I don't. I think. I think you've done the blowjob, and then you know it's <laughs> you've done the blowjob. Yeah, it's over. They're coming. It's done, and you can, you can swallow just, it if you want to swallow it. You can. Yeah, yeah. yeah let yeah, it rest yeah, yeah. in your mouth and then spit it out, or you can pull the thing out and let sure. it come on your tits. I stand, yeah, yeah. That's what you'd let you'd let him pull out and come on your tits, Iris. Is that what you would do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, that's thank- my motto. Yeah, that's that's yeah. pull out and come on my toes. Sorry, glad it's over the door here at the studio. It's exactly. in Latin. It's very classy. <laughs> yeah. What is uh? Who's the woman who holds fresh air? Terry Gross. Terry, what's her don't, motto? Do don't think? drag her into this. <laughs> what did she ever do to me? But put me on her show a couple of times. Yeah, and, and look at you very respectfully. But that's not her motto. It's her motto. I'm not getting into it. I, she's she's lovely, and she I adore lovely. her. And-, and I adore her too. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. That's why I'm me and not you, because I would do that, because my mind instantly goes somewhere it shouldn't go and it falls out of my mouth. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, This was really fun. Would you do it again sometime? Oh, my God. I would do it again next week. (laughs) (laughs) It's easier than your show, is it? You've got all these producers. You've got people running around, lining up all these interviews. It's very complicated, your gig. Well, no. The problem with my show is that we edit everything so aggressively. Like, there's a story on this week's show that I spent, you know, probably 40 hours, like, editing and re-editing and re-editing with the producers trying to get it right. And, uh, you know, so it's, like, way more labor for, for each hour of material. Everybody often asks me, like, the one piece of sex advice, if I give everybody one one bit of advice, what would it be the most important uh, bit of sex advice? Uh, what's your most important piece one of single, sex advice? One single piece of sex advice from Ira Glass. The Ira Glass sex advice motto, what would it be? Don't forget to brush your teeth. And we'll leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to give us a call and record a question or comment for a future show, please do. 206-201-2720. Thank you so much, Ira. It was so fun. It was, I don't know why this never occurred to me before. I've been on your show a bunch, and I do this stupid podcast, and I never thought, oh, I should like, make Ira feel guilty and ask him to come on my show. Oh, but I didn't feel guilty. I was just like, this seems like it would be really fun. Was it fun? Yeah, it was really fun. I, I'm astounded. I mean, I, I know I hear the podcast, but it's been like a year since I've heard it. I feel like I just was reminded of just the incredible quality of the questions you get. Each one is like a trip into into like a total world. This is a really amazing set of questions. Thank you. Yeah. We curate them. The text have you at risk of doing. 206-201-2720. That's the number here to podcast. Uh, give us a call. And me and the text have you at risk of but not Eric Glass. We're back at you next week. We'll installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Bye. Thanks again, Ira. Bye, everybody.